You're listening to Song Exploder, where musicians take apart their songs and piece by piece tell the story of how they were made. I'm Rishikesh Hirway. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, home of the Name Your Price tool. You say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. It's easy to start a quote. Visit Progressive.com to get started. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode contains explicit language. Muna is a trio from Los Angeles made up of Katie Gavin, Josette Maskin, and Naomi McPherson. They've been making music together since 2013 when they met in college. Their third album, which is self-titled, came out in 2022. And Rolling Stone, Stereogum, The Guardian, and more called it one of the best albums of the year. Consequence of Sound called Muna the 2022 Band of the Year. I talked to Muna about the song What I Want, which they co-wrote with Leland. Leland is an artist and songwriter whose other credits include Selena Gomez, Charlie XCX, and Troy Sivan. In this episode, Katie, Joe, and Naomi, along with Leland, tell the story of how the song came together, from the original demo to the final version. And you'll find out how a band that doesn't really party ended up writing a party banger. Hi, I'm Katie. In the band, I am the singer and also the songwriter. I'm Josette, play guitar. I'm Naomi. I made the first iteration of the beat at the end of summer 2020. It was very simple. It was the bass line and the drums and then that kind of ascending like pad thing. I didn't flush it out a lot because I think I was like thinking it was like just fine and I sent it to Katie just being like, maybe she'll like this. I remember responding to that one. It was a slapper. It was a little slapper. I was in like a new relationship and I was just excited by the prospect of like putting something on the next Muna record in acceptance of the desires in yourself that you previously might have had some judgment over. For me, it was just about being in acceptance of my more hedonistic side. And then I had a Zoom session scheduled with Leland. My name is Leland. Leland is a friend of ours who came into our life a couple years ago. Yeah. I executive produced the music for a TV show called Love, Victor. And I would put an original song in every episode from an LGBTQIA plus artist. We all wrote a song that unfortunately ended up not making it in. But that was our first collaboration. He just had like a warmth about him and he was always very, very kind I don't know many people like him where he's trying to, like, help other queer musicians out. I started out as just a genuine fan of their music, and I feel so fortunate because my relationship has the potential to go beyond fan. And when it makes sense to potentially collaborate, so Katie and I wrote over Zoom. When he asked, like, what do you got? I was like, I don't have a title or, like, solid phrases, but I want something that feels really unapologetic and that feels fun. You know, he's really comfortable co-writing and I'm not as comfortable, but I'm comfortable with Leland. So what we ended up doing was 
taking five or ten minutes with the beat, like, by ourselves off of Zoom. And then we, like, came back and did some show-and-tell stuff. He had, like, the melody. I was hearing, there's what I want, there's nothing wrong with what I want. And I knew I would love to hear Katie sing something like that in her tone. I can just hear it in my head. It was very pandemic-informed where it was kind of like, oh, I miss being out and around people. We found the lyric together, I want to dance in the middle of a gay bar, and found the melody and the shape to go with it, how we were going to be able to emphasize the word gay. It was, like, kind of scary for me. Maybe part of it is just being raised Irish Catholic (laughs) and also maybe carrying around internalized homophobia. And so part of what was interesting about writing with Leland was, like, we're two queer people. Katie and I really approached this song from a similar mindset. I grew up in a very structured environment where certain parts of me, out of necessity, needed to be repressed. And so I've spent more of my life not being myself than being myself. Approaching this song from that place, I think it allowed Katie and I to not overthink the lyric. I remember a specific moment where we were coming up with the second half of the chorus, like, I want the fireworks, I want the chemistry, I want that girl, that I want to take me. And I was like, oh, I can't say fireworks. That's so, like, obvious. But he was like, no, we're saying fireworks. Like, you want the fireworks, you want the chemistry. It's fine to say the thing that's, like, down the middle. I remember feeling kind of inspired by how main pop girl the lyric and melody sounded. And I was like, oh, I want to do a pre-chorus that has like some type of, you know, I'm going to do one of those moments. I spent way too, too, too many years not knowing what, what I wanted, how to get it, how to live it. And now I'm going to make up for it all at once, because that Once we got the complete thought, I was like, okay, this feels great. And when I have a verse, pre-chorus, and chorus, the songwriting session is over. I'm like, a second verse I'll do later. And then I sent it to the bros. When I first heard the song, I was stoked. But I was like, oh, those drums sound like shite. (laughs) They have to go. (laughs) Like, now. I remember I had a day where I worked on it in Allie's guest bedroom. Allie's Naomi's partner. Yeah, and I fleshed out the drums, new drums and new bass sounds. My dad's a drummer. My mom's a bass player. So that's just like where my head is at most of the time. And then, yeah, there's like a little loop that cuts in and out in the chorus that added a little bit of motion that wasn't there in the verses. And then the little camera sounds. I just liked it. After the first time you hear her say, I want the full effects, felt like 90s supermodel energy, like Shalom Harlow, like Naomi Campbell, Linda Evangelista era, like 
tearing down the runway, killing it. We started working at our friend Joanna's studio. She has like a little place like under her house. And that's where we call it princess work, where we work from like 12 to 5. And we we came up with that string moment. Like with the sample that kind of sounded like the violins that are in Toxic. That's Toxic by Britney Spears. And I know most people probably know that, but I just wanted to clarify just in case. Okay, as they were saying. We all love Toxic. It's just truly one of the best pop songs ever. Once that was done, it was like, well, now we just have to, like, figure out what the hell we're going to do on guitar. Especially in a pop song like this, I think we're adding, like, single stacked notes as a way to, like, create movement. So we'll, like, record, like, a bunch of me going up, like, a single note. Sometimes when we're recording vocals, Katie either wants, like, our input or she wants us to leave her completely alone. And I think this was one of the times because I don't think any of us knew how difficult this song was going to be to sing. But, oh, my God, it was insane. I got pissed. Yeah, you were you were angry at the mic. But it was because I didn't feel like I was doing good enough. There's not an, a lot of space to breathe in this song. And then that also has, like, a mental effect of, like, I can start to feel, like, panic. I just get it in my head, and then, and then, sure enough, like, I can't sing something because I'm scared to go for it. And so I know that what I really need is for my friends to tell me that I'm I'm doing a good job. So I said— And you were doing a good job. I need everyone to be say something nice to me. (laughs) And that's what happened. Our bassist who engineers for us in the studio a lot, he this was the day where Where you asked for a compliment. Yeah, and he said this changed his life. So because (laughs) he didn't know that you can do that. Ask for a compliment or something. Ask for support. Mm -hmm. You're you're great at that, especially in those moments. Yeah. By the end of that day though, we had the vocal. Like it was so clear. There were just a lot of hours spent putting in work to do little changes. But I would say that writing the bridge was my respite from the endless sea of details. I really just wanted to say... Psychosomatic. Psychosomatic, yeah. I just remember her literally saying out loud, I really want the bridge to use the word psychosomatic. <laughs> and we were like, okay. And I knew that I wanted it to go back into like too, too, too many years This is when we were vibrating at an extremely high yeah. level. I remember being, doing flips. She was singing the lyrics. And we were just like, this is gonna take us back into the chorus. That is so fun. But now 
this song needed to be bombastic. Harmony stacks just help make a moment bigger. Cause she's got what I want, 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 want. None of us really party at all. So it is funny that we have this song like, I think we had a lot of conversations around like, what if this is gonna make people think that it's okay to go and get really fucked up all the time? And like from my mid 20s to I just turned 30 and that's kind of been like an on and off, like, oh, I'm sober for a while and then I'm not sober. And I think just after testing it out for a few years, like I, I like it more being sober, but there's something very freeing about just being like, okay, I'm using the metaphor of the party to still try and express something that's true for me. I spent way too, too, too many years not knowing what, what I wanted, how to get it, how to live it, and now I'm gonna make up for it all at once. Also, like, honoring that nightlife as having such a fundamental and important history for queer people and marginalized people to like be able to gather and feel safe. I was co-writing it as a fan and co-writing it as a gay guy who wants to be absolutely euphoric, losing my mind in the middle of a gay bar dancing to this song. And that has happened multiple times now. And it truly is the best feeling I remember playing it for my little sister and her saying like, yeah, I would think that you like partied a lot. We're in our slut era without being sluts. Yeah. (laughs) That's all it takes. I think it's like slut in the heart. (laughs) Slut in the heart if you're also a slut in the heart of your best friends. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And we're sluts (laughs) to each other. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And now here's What I Want by Muna in its entirety.
For more, visit songexploder.net slash Muna. You'll find links to buy or stream what I want, and you can watch the music video. From Wondery and Audible comes Class of 88, a new podcast hosted by Will Smith about the one game-changing year that sparked the world's obsession with rap and hip-hop. Before 1988, a lot of people didn't take hip-hop seriously, but hip-hop today touches everything from film to fashion to sports. So what changed? Will Smith will walk you through the historical moments and milestones from that year and reveal never-before-heard stories about legends like Public Enemy, salt and Peppa, and Queen Latifah. Follow Class of 88 wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Song Exploder was made by me, Craig Ely, Kathleen Smith, and Mary Dolan. The episode artwork is by Carlos Lerma, and I made the show's theme music and logo. Song Exploder is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX, a network of independent, listener-supported, artist-owned podcasts. You can learn more about our shows at radiotopia.fm. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Rishi Hirway, and you can follow the show at Song Exploder. You can also get a Song Exploder t-shirt at songexploder.net slash shirt. I'm Rishi Kesh Hirway. Thanks for listening. Radiotopia from PRX. I'm excited to tell you about a brand new show from Radiotopia called The Recipe. It's hosted by J. Kenji Lopez Alt and Deb Perlman. You might know Kenji from Serious Eats and all his incredible food wisdom. He's also the author of the cookbooks The Food Lab and The Walk, both of which are New York Times bestsellers. Deb is the creator of the extremely popular recipe website, Smitten Kitchen. She's a self-taught home cook and cookbook author. And on this new show, Deb and Kenji will do a deep dive into the techniques and ingredients behind some of the most popular go-to dishes. Look for the recipe wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes start February 26th.